Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. that you guys are joining us. If we haven't met, my name is Britt, and I'm the youth pastor, which means I get the privilege of overseeing middle school and high school ministry. And I just want you guys to be encouraged by this generation. In the last two months, we had over 180 students attend winter camp. And at winter camp, they were lifting their hands, praising God, They were on their knees surrendering and confessing sin and just saying, God, I want more of you in my life. And I know teens may say some crazy stuff. Someone told me my outfit was drippy, which it's not leaking. It just looks nice. And so if you ever look nice and a teen says you have a drippy fit, just receive that. Or they might say something like, how was your day? And they're just like, it was Gucci. That means it was good. Um, And feel free to say my day was Gucci too. (laughs) But I just want you guys to know God is doing powerful things through our teens. And so if, if you see them, just say, I'm so happy you're here. The church needs you and you matter. Well, last week, Pastor Brian talked about the Trinity, and he said humanity thrives when people are unified, that we have one God who is co-eternal and communal, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in perfect unity, and that God is able to love because he's always been in community. And today, we are going to be talking about the church And for some of you today, you're thinking, what is the church? Or what should the church be doing? What should we be devoted to? And so today we're going to have that conversation, and I'm just really excited about that. But before we get into God's word, would you guys just bow your heads so we can talk to God? Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you so much for you, that you're with us, God, that you're in this place Holy Spirit, I just pray you would speak. God, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive this morning. God, let me get out of the way, God, and let you be magnified in this place, Jesus. We ask this in your precious and holy and mighty name. Amen. 
Well, this word church in the Greek is ekklesia, which means it's a gathering of people called out for a purpose. And one of the first times we see this word is in Acts chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you guys to turn to Acts 2.42, or you can download the ACF Church app, and the text will be on there as well. But before we get into the text, I just want to give you guys a little bit of context. So at this time, Jesus has ascended into heaven, and he's told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem so you can receive the Holy Spirit. And that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you are going to receive power to be witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Sumeria, and to the ends of the earth. And so there's 120 people in an upper room waiting for this promise. And it says that wind comes rushing in and tongues begin to fall like fire. And that they start speaking the word of God in all of these different native languages. And that they go outside and people are hearing the works of God proclaimed. And I just love how honest the Bible is. One guy sees this and he's like, are they drunk? And Peter boldly proclaims, it's nine in the morning. No, we are not drunk. And then he shares the gospel. And he closes out this whole section by saying, Jesus Christ, to you crucified, is Lord and Savior. And it says that their hearts were cut. And they said, what must we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. And that day, 3,000 people were added to the gathering of, of God. And so this is where we kind of pick up the text. And this is what the church initially was devoted to. And it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking the bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to them day by day those who were being saved. And something that immediately struck me when I read this text was the word devotion. And I was thinking about devotion, and, and it immediately led me to New Year's resolutions. Have you guys ever started something you're going to be devoted to at New Year's? Yes, amen. Well, I'm going to be honest. I'm about to be really vulnerable, so we're at church. Y'all don't judge me. Every single year, New Year's rolls around, and I'm devoted to the same thing. Getting jacked. Connor knows me. The students know. Every single year, I'm like, I'm going to be huge. And I'm not talking about, like, lean, where you do cardio and you look fit. I want to be like Hulk Hogan, just like muscles for days. And I'm about to be so honest. To the point where at one point I looked up, like, human growth hormone, just to see if it was legal <laughs> and moral and ethical, and it's not at this time, but I'm praying, um, and I'm hopeful. 
And I was thinking about this, and I was just like, what does devoted mean? And so I went to the text, and I just wanted to know what the Greek word meant. And it, it says to give oneself continuously to, ongoing and steadfast involvement in. And so it's a verb. It's an action. And when I was prepping for this message, God was like, Britt, you're not devoted to getting jacked. You're delusional. Because nothing in your life has changed. Nothing has been impacted or affected. No action has actually taken place. And then it dawned on me that I was devoted to an idea. And I thought about us, how sometimes we can think we are devoted to something, but we're actually devoted to the idea. Maybe for you, you're devoted to being present with your family or your friends or your coworkers. But you're continuously in work, in social media, and in yourself. You're not devoted to being present. You're devoted to the idea of being present. And then I thought about Jesus and how we can easily be devoted to the idea of Christ. But he has no impact or effect or change on how we live and what we do. We're devoted to an idea. Devotion results in action. And then I thought about all the things that we are actually devoted to, the things we are continuously in. And I thought about work. I thought about family and friends. I thought about social media and sports. And then I thought about feelings, how sometimes we can be continuously in our emotions to the point where they are guiding and leading our life. And that's a dangerous place to be in. Church, we have got to let our faith inform our feelings and not our feelings inform our faith. It's so, so important. And so devotion, I want you guys to know, doesn't look like a position or a place. Just because I'm in vocational ministry does not mean that I can be continuously in Jesus. And I remember talking to a young adult who was playing basketball, and she was just kind of sharing with me this interview from a reporter that her and her teammate did. And her teammate was just like, man, I was made to play basketball. This is my purpose. I want to be in the WNBA. And she's just going on and on about how this is what she was made to do. And then the reporter turns to the other teammate, and she says, how about you? And she says, I was made to glorify God and be a reflection of Jesus. And basketball is how I'm going to do it. You see, she was continuously in her relationship with Jesus, that it was affecting where she was at in life, her position, her influence. What are you continuously in? And Luke goes on to say the four things that the church was devoted to, that they were continuously pursuing. And the first one was the apostles' teaching. Now, what were the apostles' teaching? They were teaching the Old Testament, the life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the ministry that they did with him. And I see this shift in the Western church where people are being drawn to an ideology rather than a theology. They're pursuing a system of ideas and opinions that align with theirs rather than the word and truth of God. And when you open your Bible, you should be a little offended. 
You should be a little challenged. There should be places in your heart that you're like, God, I'm not surrendering and submitting to you in this area. We have got to be a church founded on truth. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. 2 Timothy 3, 16 says, all scripture is God breathed and it has a purpose for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. And I want you guys to know that ACF Church is not a church founded on opinions. It is founded on the way, the truth, and the life of Jesus Christ. And my hope is that when you come in here, you're a little offended and convicted because God spoke and challenged you in this place. Jenny Allen said, we have to get into God's word and let God's word get into us. And I want to be honest, there are days where I do not feel like opening my Bible, where it's like pulling teeth, and I would rather cook or do laundry, which is saying a lot for me, (laughs) than get in the word of God. And what I've done in those times is I'm just honest. I'm just like, God, you know I'm in your word right now, and I don't want to be. I don't have a desire. There's no motivation. Meet with me. Speak to me, God. Let my faith be bigger than my feelings in this moment. And you know what I think God does in that moment? He says, thanks for trusting me with what I already knew. Thank you for being honest, because I want to show up and meet with you too. Charles Spurgeon said, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. And I wonder if that's because their life is being informed by an eternal truth rather than circumstances and situations and temporary moments. They have an eternal perspective that guides them through life. The second thing that the early church was devoted or continuously in was fellowship. And this word in the Greek is koinonia, which means to commune and share participation with close relationships. It has a connotation of intimacy and, and sacrifice. And in Francis Chan's book, Letters to the Church, he made this connection that how sometimes a gang can be more sacrificial and selfless than the Western church how they get together and they're literally willing to bleed and die for one another, typically over drugs or murder or some craziness, which we don't recommend. (laughs) But there is this bond that is deeper than blood. Do you guys consider the church a people you're willing to bleed for, that you're willing to bear burdens with? Or does your love for the church look like your love for the gym or for a good movie or a good meal where you consume and you receive and you attend? Jesus' love for the church never looked like consuming and receiving and attending. It looked like sacrifice. It looked like selflessness and grace and truth and bearing burdens. I remember going to a small group a few years ago, and we were doing a Bible study, and I just kind of had this anticipation that we were going to get in God's Word, and I was going to be present, but we were going to be superficial, and one of the meetings, one of the ladies just opened up, and she said, 
my marriage is falling apart, my husband's not a believer, and I'm really angry with God. And I remember thinking, she's so courageous because of her authenticity. I remember not thinking she's broken, but she's brave because she's letting people in. And a few months later, I would go through a really hard, broken season. And um, one of these girls would open up their homes to me, literally being a reflection of Jesus in my life, saying, I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to open up my home so there's a place for you here. And I want to talk to the men in the room for a second. I know I'm not a man. Uh, amen. <laughs> and I know that men relate to each other differently, that uh, men can tend to focus around hobbies or projects. But I think it's really important that when men get together that they go deeper than a project, that they desire relationships where they're actually known. Because I know the struggle is everywhere, whether you're a man or a woman. And I think the enemy, lots of times when it comes to the men, wants to keep them isolated because he knows if he opens up to another man of God, that combat can happen. That encouragement and, and just calling out and convicting and challenge could happen. And could you just imagine if, if the men of God opened up and, and, and a war broke out against the enemy, against all the lies that go through their head? It's so powerful. The third thing that the church was devoted to, and this is my personal favorite, was breaking of bread together. Can I get an Amen. And scholars believe this has a two-part connotation. The first was communion. And so they would get together and they would say, we want to remember the whole reason why we're together, which is because of the body that was broken for us and the blood that was poured out, that we are a family and we gather because of our Savior, Jesus Christ. But the second thing was just to share meals and, and do life together there's something so great about pulling up a chair to a table and having a good meal. And the University of Oxford, they just kind of confirmed this in a study they did with several thousand um, young adults. And this is what they found. They said communal eating increases social bonding and feelings of well-being. It enhances one's sense of contentment and satisfaction and gives people wider social networks providing emotional and social support. Yet the study said that only 10 meals out of 21 a week are eaten in community due to busy schedules and hectic lives. It said that 69% of those questioned have never shared a meal with any of their neighbors. And it concluded by saying social eating clearly plays a key role in the development of community life and the happiness of individuals within that community. 75% of respondents recognized that making an effort to see someone more often was best done by sharing a meal. And if you know me, you know I can't cook. And I don't like it. Um, if you come to my house, we are having tacos or eggs or spaghetti. Those are our three options. But there's literally a restaurant on almost every corner 
with an opportunity for you to invite someone to sit around a table. And I just think about Jesus and how he just sat around a lot of tables with a lot of people. And then I thought about our military members and how a lot of them don't have family and what would happen if every week we were continuously saying, there's a seat for you at my table. We just invited them to do life with us. We were intentional. The fourth thing the church was continuously devoted to was prayer. And this prayer wasn't just addressed to God. They invited other people into it. Have you guys ever heard the term unspoken? I got it unspoken. Um, That's how I picture someone saying it. Uh, My my sister, she's so funny. Her biggest pet peeve is unspoken because she's like, how do they expect me to pray about it if they don't talk about it? Which if you're Southern Baptist, you know, be careful of those people. Um, But the early church prayed together. And in youth culture, we have a mission, and it's for every student to be known, valued, connected, and discipled. And to hold us accountable to that mission, we have a spreadsheet with all of our students' numbers listed in it. And I told our leaders, we're going to text two students a week. But we're not going to do it to check a box or anything like that. I want you to talk to God and say, who needs to hear from you? Who needs to be reminded that you see them? And one of our leaders, who's just really faithful in the little things, um, had this prompting from God to text a student. And so he just said, I'm praying for you. God sees you and he loves you. And he put you on my heart today. Well, that Sunday, that student comes to youth group, and they're just like, I've been in such a hopeless season in life, and everything's just been really dark. And they said at lunch, they were going to get in their car and drive as fast as they could into whatever they could. And that as they sat behind the wheel, they received that text. And they just started weeping because they knew that God saw them. That God had sent that leader just to remind them that he's faithful and they're not alone. It was so, so powerful. And I think God wants to do something so much bigger in our prayer life than just us talking to him. That's why every single week we get on this stage and we say, let's call out to God as a family. Let's be real with the things we're struggling with as a family because the prayer of a person is powerful and effective. That's what James 5 says. What would happen, church, if every, once a week we just said, I want to text someone who I know is struggling. I want to reach out to someone. God, just show me who needs to hear your voice and know they're not alone. And we just invited them in and just said, God, please be with so-and-so. Let them know you're with them and you see them. I think people would be changed and they would be experiencing Christ in us, who is powerful. The text closes out by saying, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. 
I read in one commentary that this was the first sign of communism, <laughs> which is very inaccurate. Um, the Bible does not teach communism. What this text says is that they gave out of generous and glad hearts, that they weren't compelled or forced. It was because of the love they had already received in Christ, and they said, man, we can't hold this back. We want to do life together. And I want you guys to think, this is over 3,100 people, and the Lord's adding to their number day by day. And it's from people all different backgrounds. There's probably kids and teenagers and elderly and business owners and farmers and tradesmen and shepherds and different statuses representing. But they're all living out Jesus, this oneness the selflessness, the sacrificialness, and they're experiencing what Jesus said would happen when the body of Christ comes together. This is Mark 10, 29. It says, truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Jesus is saying, when you have left everything to follow me, you're going to receive mothers and sisters and brothers, a family who's not only going to walk through life with you, they're going to bear burdens and persecution and suffering, and together you're going to inherit eternity. So beautiful. But that's not just a promise for then. That's right now. And you could hear this message and think, Britt, you're telling me that I need to get in God's word more, have deeper relationships, get around a table and pray more. But the whole reason the church was able to do this was out of the love they had first received. You see, they were only being a reflection of Jesus. And it says they were empowered by the Holy Spirit, which means God was guiding their life and their thoughts and their actions, and people were being changed around them. 1 John 3.16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And the text goes on to say that this is how we are able to lay down our lives for each other. It's only out of first receiving the grace and love and truth of Jesus. And I want to be honest, I know there's people in this room who are like, Britt, I have a lot of church hurt. And I want to bring a little clarity to that. The church didn't hurt you. A person in the church hurt you. And the church is full of people in process. And you guys need to hear that today. The church is full of people in process. I remember just a month ago, I came home and I was just crying to my husband. And I was like, I'm a pastor and I'm such a broken sinner. And Dan was like, you're in process. God's still got work to do. Receive that grace. Don't let that define you, let Jesus define you, but Brittany, keep walking with him. 
The church is full of people in process, and Paul constantly had to write to the church instruction. He had to tell the people of Corinth, you can't sleep around, that there is a better thing that God has for your sexuality. He had to tell the people at Galatia, you do not have to be circumcised to have salvation. It's only through Jesus. He had to tell the people of Rome that just because you have the grace of Jesus does not mean you go on sinning. How could you sin in it any longer? You see, the church was never meant to save you. Jesus is. And my fear is that we come into this place and we think this is our salvation. We sit in these seats and we think, God, I'm saved because I'm in a building. The only way you are saved is through a relationship with the Savior and King Jesus. And he looked at every single person in this room and said, you are worthy of dying for. No matter your past mistakes, no matter your sin, I don't want that to define you anymore. I want to. And I want to spend eternity with you. But also today, right now, and I want to walk with you tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. The church is a reflection of Christ. And God totally just convicted me of this recently. I was meeting coffee with a person and I don't know if they're saved and they're just going through a really hard season and they're feeling unworthy and devalued and just really struggling with their selves. And I immediately go into sharing the gospel, that Jesus loves them, that he died for them, that he wants to walk with them through life. And in that moment, God's so good. He said, Britt, you've told them about me. Now be a reflection of me. And just sit and listen and continuously be in their life continuously invite them to sit at the table, continuously call out to me for them. I love them more than you do. Be a reflection of me. And I thought about if us as the church were continuously in these things, how this community would be different. It says that every single day God added to the ecclesia, to the gathering, to the body, because people said something is so different about them. And I want to know who they know, and I want to walk with who they walk with, and I want to believe in who they believe in because they're changed. Devotion always results in action. And so I want to ask you today, church, as, as we're gathered together for the purpose of Jesus, where do you need to take action? Maybe for you it's to follow Jesus for the first time. Maybe you've been hung on an idea of Jesus, but you've never actually surrendered and submitted to Christ. You've never wondered, you've just wondered why. Why should I do this? And it's because God loves you so much. And he sees you. And he sees all your past mistakes and all of the things you've walked through. And he says, I don't want you to walk alone anymore. I want to walk with you. But I'm not going to leave you the same either. I'm going to start to breathe life and change and convict and, 
walk with you through every moment of every day. Maybe it's to read and study and reflect on one chapter of God's word this week. I love the verse of the day, but what would happen if we just sat on a text for a week and just said, God, I want to be challenged. I don't want to check a box. I want to be changed. So just speak. And every day we just meditated on that truth and we let it get deep into our hearts. Get into God's word and let God's word get into you. Maybe it's to invite someone over for a meal. You know someone who's just struggling or doesn't have a lot of family, and you say, I want to continuously make a seat for you at my table. And the last one is just pray with someone who needs it. We all know people struggling in life right now. What if we invited them into our conversation with God? I think people would be changed. What are we devoted to? Would you guys bow your head as we just close in prayer? God, I thank you so much for you. God, and so much for your church. Lord, for the gathering of people in the name of Jesus. Your church is powerful and strong and beautiful, and the gates of hell will not prevail over it. But God, I know that you have so much more for your church. God, that there are things in my life, God, that I need to act on. There are things, God, that I need to be continuously in, and there are things that I need to stop being continuously in. God, show us right now where our next step is because we want to be a church devoted to you and the things you've called us to. God, thank you for these amazing men and women. Lord, let us be devoted to Jesus and let our city experience our Savior. We ask this in your precious and holy and mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, We hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.